Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Uh, we get to come together and we get to study your word. So Holy Spirit, I just pray you would do what you do and reveal Jesus to us inside of the text. Lord, show us areas in our life where we could apply this text uh, because Holy Spirit, we know you do that best. And God, I just pray you'd be glorified through this Zoom and through this soap. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, y'all. We are in Leviticus 23 this morning. It is a uh, little bit of a longer chapter. So I'd say just buckle up, get your seatbelt together, grab your coffee, and let's get ready to hear. Because I know I don't know about uh, any of you. However, whenever I read a long chapter in the Bible, it seems like once I get to like two thirds, maybe three quarters of the way through, it's when I just start reading and I stop processing it. So let's all, uh, like as Pastor Brian always says, scoop to the edge of our seat and dive into this one. So it starts off in verse one. This is about the appointed festivals. This is feasts and celebrations in Leviticus 23. It says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed festivals. The appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You may not do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of that month, the Lord's festival of unleavened bread begins. For seven days, you must not eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. For seven days, present a food offering to the Lord. And on the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. On the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord a lamb a year old without defect. Together with its grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil, a food offering presented to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, and its drink offering of a quarter of a hin of wine. You must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour, baked with yeast as a wave offering of the first fruits to the Lord. Present this bread seven. Uh, present with this bread seven male lambs, each year old, and without defect. 
one young bull, bull and two rams. There will be a burnt offering to the Lord together with their grain offerings and drink offerings, a food offering and aroma pre-pleasing to the Lord. Then sacrifice one male goat for a sin offering and two lambs, each a year old, for a fellowship offering. The priest is to wave the two lambs before the uh, Lord as a wave offering together with the bread of the first fruits. They are a sacred offering to the Lord for the priest. On that same day, you are to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. Verse 22, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites on the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly uh, commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present a food offering to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, the 10th day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. Do, no, uh, do not do any regular work on that day because it is a day of atonement when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Those uh, who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from their people. I will destroy from among their people anyone who does any work on that day. You shall do no work at all. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. It is a Sabbath. Uh, it is a day of Sabbath rest for you. And you must deny yourselves from the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening. You are to observe your Sabbath. Verse 33. The Lord said to Moses. Say to the Israelites on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's festival of tabernacles begins and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work for seven days. Present food offerings to the Lord. And on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to the Lord. It is the closing uh, special assembly. Do no regular work. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord. The burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbaths and in addition to your gifts and uh, whatever you have vowed and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. Verse 39, so beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of Sabbath rest, and the eighth day is also a day of Sabbath rest. On the first day, you are to take the branches from luxuriant trees, from palms, willows, and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate. This is a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters. So your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses announced the Israelites the appointed festivals of the Lord. All right. There we go. 44 verses, y'all. <laughs> I think, I, let's see, I was reading for seven minutes there. Wow. <laughs> that, that's one way to uh, go through almost a third of the soap. <laughs> so good. So if any verses stuck out to you, drop them inside of the chat. Uh, I would love to just kind of like make a mental note as I see them. So when I'm going through uh, some of the things that stuck out to me, maybe I could try and just bring them up. Uh, but this is such a meaty chapter. 
get a little caffeine in such a meaty chapter. Um, one of the first ones I just kind of want to go through as a group is the Sabbath and verse three. I kind of want to start from the very beginning of these festivals or celebrations. Um, verse three, it says, there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. It's the significance of the Sabbath. Mm. It's all about rest. And uh, what I like about rest, I should say not like, uh, what I dislike about rest, <laughs> if I were truly honest with myself this morning, is that I always feel like I'm not getting much done when I'm resting. And when I rest, uh, many times my brain starts to kick it into overdrive of the list of things that I still need to do. Is anyone else with me on that one? That when we sit down and uh, it's like, okay, this is the moment we have to dedicate to God. I start kind of remembering all the things that I want to do for him when I'm supposed to spend time with him, right? Uh, so the Sabbath rest, God gives this commandment to the people Uh and it kind of has this reflection that I want to bring into mind here. So on the seven days of creation, the first six God created, right? Uh, and on the sixth day, he created mankind. So people are here. And then the seventh day, something really uh, interesting happened. Six days, he created. Mankind gets made on the sixth. And he gives them a commandment in Genesis one twenty eight. He says, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. And if you could imagine, here is God speaking to you. He gives you your commandment, your destiny for your life, your purpose. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. And don't know about y'all, God speaks to me, I'm ready to run. You know, this life is supposed to be a marathon. Uh, many times I treat it like a sprint and I'm ready to sprint. And uh, he gives his commandment. And then what does he say? All right, pause though, because we're going to rest. The seventh day, we're shutting it down. And then God's like, and and no one's working. I'm resting too. And God didn't rest out of lack of power. He rested out of choice and demonstration to show that a day was to be made holy. And I, I'm trying to put myself in, let's say, like the shoes of Adam. Adam gets told, hey, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. Here's my commandment for you. And Adam's probably ready to roll. He just got made. He has not worked. He has no reason to be tired. <laughs> and the Lord tells him, hey, Adam, I want you to rest. Because I want everything you do to come from a place of rest. And I think it's kind of a challenge for every one of us this morning. It's kind of like, how's my rest life doing? You know, how is my uh, time of sitting down and saying, Lord, I'm here for you? How is my rest? Because we live in such a busy culture and busy day and where there's 1,000 things happening inside of our lives at one moment. Uh I think all of us could probably use, uh, as I heard Pastor Danielle say recently, a holy pause even in our week. And that's kind of like a way of even viewing a Sabbath. It's like a holy pause. It's saying, all right, pause on this because I really need to rest. And something that I discovered, so I went on this journey roughly two, actually three years ago now, oh my gosh, of where I dedicated that I was going to start uh, Sabbathing. I was in ministry for like two, maybe three years, probably no, like two years by the time I even started like honoring the Sabbath. Uh, you know, you kind of just work, you work, you work. And I wanted to take God at his word because if we are to do things from a place of rest, 
Uh, and, you know, we all we all feel like we don't have enough time on the regular basis, right, to do what we need to get done. Uh, I took God at his word and I said, all right, I'm going to rest. Lord, if you want us to take a day, I'm going to take it easy. And I took one day a week where I would sit down, I would open my Bible, I would pray and just sit in the presence of the Lord for quite a few hours. And I noticed from there, the other six days of the week, I would get way more done. Rather than pushing for seven days, all of a sudden in those six days, I was accomplishing more than I was in the seven. And I'm just sharing that as kind of like a testimony with you of rest matters. And rest is like the gas in the gas tank to go ahead and accomplish the purpose that God has for our lives. So I want to propose to you an application question today that really only you and the Lord can answer. And it's how is your rest? How is your Sabbath? How is your day when, you know, you're not working? And, you know, I know we all have the chores at home. We all have the list of things at home. But what does it look like for you of, okay, I'm going to take a pause in my week on a weekly basis and say, God, I'm here to seek you. And of course, we're all on here on soap, right? We're all on here to hear from God. We're all on here to, uh, you know, seek the Lord with everything we have. But what does it look like to just hit pause and say, I need rest? And one thing as I was making this, uh, this past Monday at youth, we had a spontaneous Q&A. Um, it was so awesome. It was an idea from a leader. And right after the message, uh, I sat on the stage and the students just asked questions. And y'all, if I could, I could not even believe how great it went. Like, you know, those are so like, all right, this is going to be a hit or a miss. It was such a hit. The, the students were so hungry. You know, some of them were asking just about relationships and all that kind of stuff. And one student brought up a really good question that I, as I was making this kind of stuck out to me. She said, what if you don't have enough time to do your devotional life and don't have enough time to read your Bible, uh, pray, and just kind of, you know, live for the Lord if you re- or have a relationship with God in that way? And there was something that I noticed during COVID. So I was a lead pastor when COVID hit. And the primary thing that people would always tell me when I say, hey, how's your devotional life? What's God saying to you? They would always say, pastor, I don't have time. Pastor, I don't have time to do this devotional life thing, you know, but I'll come to church on Sundays. And I always thought like, it broke my heart. Like God has more for you. And I just try to encourage them. I never want to condemn them. I don't want uh, relationships based on shame and guilt. But on the other side, I know God has so much for us. When we read his word, we pray, we meet with him. Uh, and then COVID happened. And church, we had all the time in the world. <laughs> like all of a sudden we're sitting in our houses and oh i want to paint i want to redo my floors like oh come on and the list that we had piled up it's time to go at it uh and i was still asked people the same questions i would show up to people's front doors give them a little knock and i would i used to bring a pop-up chair with me and i would <laughs> set it up outside of someone's door and just say hey how are you uh because i want to check on people's mental health at the time and uh, I would say, hey, how's your devotional life? And they would have the same response. Pastor, I don't have time. But how do you not have time? <laughs> you have all the time in the world right now. And I realized it's a heart issue. It's not a time issue. It's a heart issue. And I want to tie this into here. It, it you know, Even with the list and responsibilities that we have during the week, um, it's, it's not a time issue that we have. We all have 24 hours. It's a heart issue. And I want to tell you something. There might be some balls that drop because you choose to rest and honor God in the Sabbath. 
But that's honestly, when you take care of God and you take care of your relationship with him, he takes care of you. And it may feel like that pressure and anxiety of, I have to hit pause. I have to hit stop and I have to Sabbath and I have to seek God. And I have this whole list in the background, but when you do it, he takes care of that list in the background. You don't have to worry about it. So it's a hard thing. How is your rest? Sometimes doing less is doing more. All right, let's go to this next one. We're going to go right into verse four through eight. Uh, this is the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. So uh, I'm not going to read this one, but because we just read all those verses. But the Passover, if we remember, uh, it would this was... When the Israelites were in Egypt, uh, I think I was soaping with us. I think I did one of the chapters out of Exodus, like right after uh, like the 10 plagues and everything. Uh, so the Passover is really to remember the deliverance of the Israelites from the Egyptian slavery and the Egyptian hold so that they could be God's people. Um, for us, this is a beautiful thing. And what I love about these verses, verses four through eight, God wanted the people to remember what he did. That's kind of what like, I take from this because it's talking about, all right, I took you out of Egypt. Number one, that's kind of from the Passover. I spared you. And the festival of unleavened bread in many ways is to remind us how hastily he did it, that he is the God of suddenlies, that their situation would bow to the God of suddenly. Right. And that's really such a big part of following Jesus is when the impossibilities inside of our life, when that doctor's report, when that financial crisis bows its knee at the name of Jesus. And when we sit in that waiting period, we sometimes we forget he's the suddenly God until he suddenly shows up. Right. And right here, what God wanted them to do is, hey, get inside of you this thing that I did back then. And of course, for them, it wasn't that long ago. But for us, obviously, the Passover wasn't yesterday, right? For us, this was uh, quite a ways ago. But I want to ask you a question. I brought this up on Tuesday during my soap. But what are the memorial stones in your life that point to Christ's story inside of your life? So the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were pointing to a previous event that happened that God wanted them to remember. And what he was saying was, please, 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 please do not forget what I did for you. Because if you forget, then you're going to live differently uh, on the other side. But when we remember what God did for us, we have this appreciation and reverence inside of our life of remembrance of what God did. Uh, I think it's good with Thanksgiving coming up. I have really uh, two practices that I like to do on Thanksgiving. Number one, I like to thank God for what he did in this previous year. So I'll thank God for what he did in 2022. Uh, more than likely, you know, I got my list going right now. One of the things is like, Lord, thank you for bringing me to fusion. You know, Lord, thank you for, uh, planting me in this field. You know, it's crazy to see everything that God's doing. But then I also like to say, uh, God, I'm thanking you for revival and students in the year of 2023 by faith. And we take some time. We say, God, I'm going to remember what you did, but I'm also going to thank you for what you're about to do. Uh, but these things were to stand as memorial stones. Memorial stones, uh, they kind of come from Joshua 4. Should say kind of, they are from Joshua 4. Uh, these were to be stones inside of the uh, Jordan River to remind the people of Israel, hey, I did all this stuff for you inside of the wilderness and pre-wilderness uh, inside of Egypt. And I want you to remember what I did so you live with remembrance in the promised land. Because there is this reality that when we get into the blessing, sometimes we forget the blesser, right? 
If we were totally honest with ourselves, sometimes we get into the blessing and we forget that God put us there. And that's just truth for each and every one of us. Uh, because sometimes our heads are so down, uh, so low, you know, our shoulders are down, we're ready to roll, we're pushing, and we forget Jesus put me here. <laughs> like, so, and that, that's just that's human nature. But what God does is he says, I want you to put boundaries in your life so that you don't forget who put you here. So you don't forget the blesser, the gift giver. So I want to ask you something today. What's your boundaries for remembering what God has done inside your life? What memorial stones do you have in your life? You know, I myself, I keep a running journal on Google Docs of everything that I see God do. I mean, like a running journal, y'all. And I just, as it happens, I write it down. Because I forget, uh, if you have a great memory, I bless you. And if you want to pray for me to have a great memory this upcoming Sunday, uh, I, I'm i here. I'll receive. <laughs> but I am not one of the ones with a good memory. So what I have to do is I write everything down. These beautiful phones right here uh, have saved my life <laughs> in more times than you could possibly imagine uh, just because of notes and writing things in there. But I will forget what God did like that. And the horrible part is I love to tell stories during my messages, during soaps. I think y'all know that. Uh, and my beautiful wife sits there while I tell stories and she just, sh if you watch her, she just shakes her head <laughs> because I butcher the story every time <laughs> and I'll tell it differently, six different ways. And it's just because I remember a different piece every time I go to tell it. <laughs> and she always tells me afterwards, she's like, you do realize there's a different person there, right? <laughs> like you have the people wrong in the story. And I said, honey, but I got the facts right, right? <laughs> she is my own like walking memorial stone. But Get a, get a memorial stone in your life. Get a journal in your life if you don't already. Write down what God is doing and what he's done. So you remember, you never want to forget those moments where God pulled through. You never want to forget those moments when it was do or die. And the Lord said, oh, I'm the God of doing. So I'll share a story with you. I had a, a friend in the first church I was in, and uh, he led me to the faith. He was a great guy. His name was Brian. And uh, Brian was, I mean, a, a an accountant of accountants. You know, like Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. This man was an accountant of accountants. Um, the dude had a way with numbers that still blows my mind to this day. But he was all about records, right? So he was all about making sure everything was clean, clean neat, and orderly. Um, and at that point in my life, I had some crazy stuff happening from the Lord. Like I just came to Christ and it, everything was fresh and I was hungry. There was no getting me away from the word or away from the church. And uh, I started this ministry when I first came to Christ, probably first six months, maybe a year. Uh, God told me, go to Philly, walk the streets of Philly and feed homeless people. So I said, yes, sir, on my way. So I hopped in my uh, 2001 Ford Focus station wagon. Come on now. And I had out of the back of that station wagon, I'm talking totes of clothes, totes of food. I would make pasta and spaghetti sauce in the morning. And I would get like a cooler, you know, one of the, you know, big Gary ones they dump on coaches filled with water, filled with hot chocolate, depending on the season and feed and clothe homeless people and just pray for them. And from my perspective, I was like, I'm just going to do what Jesus told me to do. Now here's the crazy part. I'm doing that. And I used to park on 8th and Market across the street from the Burger King. And uh, 
the um what is that the subway station thing like right across the street because there was a ton of homeless people there and they started knowing me as the guy and they would come across the street tell them about jesus pray for him and it was it's awesome loved it while i'm there i run into this guy and he said hey i'm out here doing the same thing jesus sent me too i have a huge truck right there he parked it right in front of my car turns out he lived on the same street as me how crazy is that do let on the same street like we and we we're two Christ followers riding ran into each other on the same corner. It was nuts. So uh we served together for a little bit. And as him and I were feeding the, the homeless out there, uh, there was this guy that comes walking down the street and he has a sign across his chest and it says house for sale. He's walking to the bank to sell the house to the bank and sees us. He walks up to us, he starts sobbing. He takes keys out of his pocket, puts it in my buddy's hand. And starts telling him, he's like, you don't understand. God sent me here. I think it was from Guatemala. God sent me here from Guatemala to buy a house to house homeless people. But I just simply can't do it. He's like, I can't. I think he was, uh, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And he was like, I can't do the physical labor work on the house to make it livable for these homeless people. So I just can't. You know, it's in West Philly. And. I was going to sell the house back to the bank because I was like, you know, God sent me here, but now what? And he was like, and I was praying while I was coming here, God, please like do something, intervene somehow. And what did God do? He planted a couple of guys on a street corner in between him and the bank. The guy gave us the house for free. I mean, just put it in our hands, gave us the house for free, put the keys in. He left, went, went back to Guatemala, back to his ministry back there. And we started up something called God's house. We started housing homeless guys there. And we would meet with them on Saturdays. We would do Bible study. And we got a couple of really good guys in there that really want to turn their lives around. They managed, they, you know, house manager, he lived there. Uh, he would make sure Bible studies were happening in there about three nights a week. And it was incredible. And of course, you know, uh, I don't know about any of you, but like from my perspective, I think I was 20, 21 years old. And it was like, okay. Um, Lord, how are we going to afford fixing all these houses, right? Or fixing this house and getting everything done. Uh, I'll tell you this crazy, crazy story. The guy that was living there, the house manager, Mike, gave me a call one day and he goes, Harry, we have this, 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 and this that needs to get fixed. I could do it for like $500 worth of supplies, but we need $500. And at the time I didn't have $500 just to spend on supplies. Called a couple churches, uh, you know, the church I was attending and, you know, it, they said no. And it's all good. You know, like that's not anything bad. It's just, you know, I was calling to see if we can get something done. Uh, and I said, God, we need you. Lord, if you want to show up, now's the time. Right. This is the do or die moment because they really they need the heating fix in the house. And it was getting to the dog days of winter. And uh, I got a phone call. Y'all, I this can't even make this up. I got a phone call from my mom. My mom goes, and at the time I probably, I spoke to her maybe once, like once, uh, once, you know, I don't know, once in a while. And she goes, Hey, uh, an inheritance just kicked in from your grandmother who passed away 11 years ago. I know it's super strange. However, uh, you have $500 in inheritance from her. So I'm going to send the check over your way. And just wanted to let you know when it comes in, like this is what it's from. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Why did my grandmother leave me $500 11 years ago? Why is it just coming now? 11 years? So that's what I love about God. He holds up for just the right time. He's the God of suddenlies. 
So hear me. What did I do as soon as this happened? My buddy, Brian, he said, write it down, write it down, write it down. Get your memorial stone inside of the river. Uh, Hear me, church. Write down what God is doing in your life. Write down what he has done so you never forget. Because we as human nature, we as people, uh, we have a way of just forgetting those moments where God showed up and showed off. Where God said, this is my power and I can do it suddenly. Amen. All right. So I'm going to do one more feast because I can't believe our time is already almost up. Uh, Application points. uh, Application point for that one. What do you have in your life that points to your history with God? You know, and some of us may just be a broken Bible. And beautiful part is, y'all, broken Bible belongs to a person that normally isn't. So keep those things inside of your life that point you to what God did inside your life. All right. Offering of the first fruits. What a great one. One of our fusion four, fusion core values here seen inside of the Old Testament. It's so good. Uh, It's the celebration of the first harvest, for lack of better words. If we harvested X amount of uh, the harvest, we would bring 10% of that harvest to the Lord. It's the tithe. Oh, man. I love the way that God sprinkles himself and his principles throughout the entire word of God. So uh, I want to just kind of get a principle on the table for us today. And it kind of goes like this. When you give God the first, you are telling God this all, the whole harvest belongs to you. When you give to him from the first, from the very beginning of it, you're telling God, God, yeah, I know uh, I may have worked for this, but you gave me the grace for this. God, I know that when they sign the paycheck to me, they sign it in my name, but really it belongs in your name. And I'll take 10% of that and give it to you. And here's the truth, right? 100% of our paycheck belongs to God. 100% of our harvest belongs to God. Uh, And what he says is, uh, I will give you 90% of what belongs to me. How incredible is that? God chooses to give us 90% of what belongs to him. What? Like, that's insanity to me. Like, that's such a, I, to me, it's a great deal. Like, thank you. <laughs> right. Because the Lord can say, hey, I'm going to take 100%, figure it out. <coughs> but what he says is, if you give me the 90, really, you have access to way more than the 100 anyway. Uh, God's bank account is much larger than anything we could ever touch. And when we choose to live under the tithe, right? One of our fusion four values, finances, we choose to live tithing. We live free from the curse and we live inside of the blessed life as Robert Morris would put it. So uh, we know the love of money is the root of all evil. And we're just going to talk about money really quick Um, because this is something that can really mess a lot of us up at times is the whole money topic. Uh, It gets things a little bit complicated. We never have enough of it. However, when we say, God, I'm going to honor you inside of my finances and I'm going to obey you inside of my finances, God has a way of showing up. And God has, seriously, and I'm telling you, those $500 checks from inheritance from 11 years ago uh, was not because uh, I was just evangelizing the street. I'm telling you, I truly believe those checks showed up uh, because I was roughly working like 70 to 80 hours a week trying to make ends meet with my dad. And we didn't have the money to tithe, but I tithed anyway. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I chose tithing and uh, I was short on rent to tithe and God would pull through. And it's because I said, God, even in all every penny that comes in this door, you still own all of it. And while I have X amount coming in, you still own a cattle on a thousand hills. And I know you're the God that pulls through. So I really want to encourage you today to honor God inside your finances. And if you're not doing so, uh, hear me. I don't really like to do things out of guilt and shame. I like to do things out of the power of the Holy Spirit where he shows us like, hey, step into what God has for us. So I just want to encourage you, like step into faithfulness with God on a tithing journey. Challenge yourself in that. Uh, but I want to propose another question to you. And this one, this this one is usually a pot stirrer, but I have fun with it. Um, so how much money is then too much money, right? So we want to honor God in the 10%. We want to honor God in the tithe. Really, again, it's it's 100% belongs to God. But you know, we want to honor God in the tithe. But in our money that comes in, how much is too much? Ooh, oh man, what a question. So uh, is there an actual number that says, man, this is just too much money. This is like, we are, we, uh, <laughs> thank you, Nicole. <laughs> this, where a number is just too much. Uh, I, I want to propose something to you. And this is a personal belief. You know, if you disagree with me, it's all good. You know, I, this is just from watching the heart of people for a while. Um, I personally do not believe any amount of money is too much. I don't, I don't believe anyone could make too much or have too much. What I believe is when money replaces trusting God, that's when it becomes too much. And I believe that is based on an individual because when we start saying my trust is, is in what's coming in and not in the Lord, that's the heart problem. And here is reality church. God is after our hearts. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes the question is how much money can God honestly trust us with? What can he trust us with without compromising us? Because God is a God of blessing and he wants to bless us. But many times the question is, God, can I even be trusted with that blessing? Because when he gives it to us, will it break us? There is a pastor, his name is Francis Chan, and I'm going to close on this. Francis Chan uh, was looking out, uh, at the church and looking out what God was doing. And he said, Lord, will you raise up a millionaire to fund your end time harvest? Like, will you raise up a millionaire to give to your kingdom generously and extravagantly? And he's, as he's praying to the Lord, he said, or God, uh, will you make me a millionaire? Like, will you give me a million dollars? And he said, Lord, if you do it, I'll give every penny away to you. I'll give every penny back. Let's say this was at the start of the year. Francis Chan's a pastor. He released his first book that year. By the time the year ended, he made a million dollars to the penny. And you know what he did? He gave every last one of it away. Every last dollar, every last cent. Because he said, God gave it to me anyway. It never belonged to me. So I don't believe that there is an amount that necessarily compromises us. I believe it's our heart posture that compromises us. And sometimes, here's the application question for this one. Sometimes the question is, how much can God trust me? You know, because we can all say, God, I trust you many times. And it's good we trust God. Hear me. I'm not like, this isn't a knock on the other side. Like, we want to trust God. The way for, uh, to grow in God trusting us is us trusting him. But uh, Proverbs 10, I believe it says, I believe it's in Proverbs 10. 
Uh, Each man will proclaim his own faithfulness, but who can find a trustworthy man? And in many ways, when I read that verse, I felt as though the Lord was just communicating. Uh, Everyone will say I'm trustworthy. Everyone will say I'm faithful. But who can I trust? Who can God trust? And I I want to just ask the question, like, how much can God trust me? You know, it's a hard, sobering question for 635 in the morning (laughs) or whenever you're listening to this uh, on the podcast. But we want to start asking ourselves the question, how much can God trust me? Because I really want to honor God in every area of my life. And I don't want to just say, God, I trust you without him being able to look back at me and say, son, I trust you in return. Amen. So our application points for, for today. Number one. How is your rest looking? Take a day off. Tell the kids, no, (laughs) we're not going to do that. I need rest (laughs) and demonstrate to them rest. Uh, One of the things that I think is very important and something that uh, I counsel, uh, you know, parents of some of our teens and some of our uh, youth on my, my child wants to do X, Y, and Z and X, Y, and Z. And I think it's good that we have our kids running and in stuff, but we want to demonstrate the life of Christ to them. And sometimes it's creating boundaries and saying, no, you can't do that. We have to rest this day. We need to follow the principle of rest. So rest up. Number two, uh, what do you have in your life that points to your history with God? Uh, as we're heading into Thanksgiving, this is a great time of remembrance to say, God, I'm going to write down all of those things that you've done for me over the past X amount of years. And I'm going to thank you for each of them. And then I'm going to thank you by faith for more breakthrough in the year 2023. And number three, number three, here comes the sobering one. How much can God trust me? How much can God trust me? When he looks around, because the Bible says he looks to and uh, to and fro throughout all the earth for that one, for that person that says, here I am, Lord, send me here. I am, Lord, use me here. I am, Lord, make me into the person that your blessing won't break. Church, let's be that people. Let's be that person. So God doesn't have to look anymore. Amen. Awesome. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you so much for just being here with us today. And Lord, I thank you for the the challenging moments that you give us inside of your word, that as as we uh, uh, look into just you, God, I I just pray that you would challenge us by your Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't go through every day uh, like it's just another day, but that every morning, every time we open our eyes, it's a day that you have made. So we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us the courage and power to step into your commandments that we read about today. And Lord, today we just choose to remember what you've done, Uh, whether it be through a sticky note on the desk, uh, whether it be through uh, putting a note on our phone. God, we choose to remember what you did today because we want to celebrate not only what you've done, but what you're going to do. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right, y'all. God bless you. I can't wait to see your smiling faces on Sunday. God bless you. Bye.